If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to share us and subscribe so you don't miss our next show. We'd love to talk with you again. Good afternoon, everyone. We have a long weekend coming up, but a lot to talk about before we can take a break from talking about this wretched stuff and concentrate on enjoying the holidays. Let's jump right in. Senator Tommy Coach Tuberville has finally been defeated after almost a year of holding up the confirmation of over 400 top military officers' promotions to higher ranks. Such appointments are a rare moment of calm bipartisanship in the Senate, with the normal practice being to roll them all up into a single piece of legislation approved with a simple voice vote. Not this year. Tommy wasn't having it. He was mad about a policy put forth by the Secretary of Defense whereby the military would absorb the cost for service members to travel out of state to get abortions if they were stationed in one of the states that curtailed or eliminated the right following the repeal of Roe v. Wade. Legislation can be held by a single senator, and Tumberville did just that. This meant the normal one-and-done, let's get out of here and go collect those envelopes full of cash from our rich donors over dinner wasn't going to work. No. Each nominee would have to be voted on individually, which was an overwhelming prospect. This put Tuberville at odds with not just the Democrats, but many of his own party. With world events heating up over the year and a strain of stalled promotions, wearing away at military readiness, and even leading to the freshly confirmed Commandant of the Marine Corps nearly dying from a heart attack brought on by months of overwork serving as Deputy Commandant and Acting Commandant, Tuberville didn't budge. Efforts by his fellow Republicans bore little fruit and won him no friends in the chamber. The senator began to finally buckle under the pressure early this month, dropping his blockade for almost all, but still holding up four-star promotions. Those last 11 were confirmed Tuesday. I guess Coach wanted to leave work for an undeserved break. The results for all this drama? Nothing. He got nothing. He played with our military readiness for nearly a year for nothing. In a 2023 full of assholes on the hill, you, sir, get the Razzie. I hope you get a huge lump of coal in your stocking and a primary challenger in 2027 when your term is up. Well, like rats fleeing a sinking ship, senators and representatives scattered to the winds for the holidays. While they are spending very undeserved time at home, the open legislative wounds they left behind will fester and be quite infected when they return in January. Firstly, they will have nine days to avert a partial government shutdown, the first of two set for January 19th, the second, February 2nd. Don't forget, this is the 2024 operating budget, which has already started. It runs from October. We've been operating on continuing resolutions since the first due date. Imagine trying to manage your household budget like this. There is talk that the Speaker of the House is considering extending funding for last year's levels all the way to the end of this year basically a really long continuing resolution. The Senate is against this. Even Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said, CR is simply unacceptable for a year. New Speaker Mike Johnson is under pressure from the radical right wing of his party and they are already mad at him for the last continuing resolution. Such legislation cost the last Speaker his job and the mechanism that facilitated it, the motion to vacate, is still available. It hangs like a sort of Damocles over his head, always on his mind. Johnson's praise for the passing of the National Defense Authorization Act has not endeared him to his critics in the GOP caucus either. That had a few entries of note. There is a provision that bars the U.S. President from withdrawing the country from NATO without approval from the Senate or an act of Congress. 
It did not include a restriction on the abortion travel policy. Tuberville had his BVDs in a twist over and cutting medical care for transgender troops, both important issues for hardliners in the House. It also extended the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which opens the door for the FBI to potentially wiretap Americans. The NDAA extended it for four months. Yes, job not well done, people. You don't deserve a vacation. Coal and primary challengers for you as well. As 2023 winds down and we approach the beginning of actual primary voting, a New Hampshire poll shows Nikki Haley has broken away from the pack of also-rans. Her poll numbers are now hitting 30%, up from 15% in September. She's closing in on Donald Trump, who earned 44% in the December 20th poll of over 1,700 likely voters in New Hampshire. 14% is still a serious lead, but the primary is scheduled for the 23rd of January, and with her recent endorsement from New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu and the formidable cadre of big money supporters to fund her campaign, her momentum will likely increase, barring any missteps or bad press. Trump's increasing legal problems would likely hurt any other candidate, but we have seen enough from his most ardent supporters to expect this will only galvanize their support for him, not diminish it. Trump is not exactly an enigma. His behavior and that of his base are not undiagnosable, but it is a rarely seen perfect storm of hijacked populism. As Vivek Ramaswamy tries to tap into the same dynamic, he keeps missing the alchemaic formula that the Cheeto has crafted and used to great effect. He is as acerbic as Trump, but I would say with significantly more substance behind his confrontational delivery. He's got data and policy ideas, not just slogans, unlike the orange man, but he finds himself wallowing at the bottom of this poll at 5%. He's not lonely down there, though, because there's more bad news for Ron DeSantis, as he only managed 6%, and had to watch the indomitable black sheep of the race, the only candidate to refuse to bend the knee to Trump, Chris Christie, double that number with 12%. That is really impressive for, again, the only candidate to not just refuse to show deference to the polarizing former president, but vigorously and consistently indict him, fearlessly engaging hostile audiences at every debate. Don't count Chris out yet. His knuckles are taped up and he came to fight. The other questions on this poll yielded some interesting trends. For respondents that have an unfavorable opinion of Trump, 56% of them chose Nikki Haley as their preference. 31% chose Chris Christie. When asked what they would do if Trump won the nomination, 43% of the Haley supporters said they would vote for Joe Biden. Of those that support Christie, 79% would vote for Joe Biden rather than Trump were he the GOP nominee. That's really saying something. The camps are really starting to coalesce. It's all been theory, conjecture, and opinion, but the numbers are starting to gel and we will soon see who has the best chance to take control of the embattled party. Colorado shook the primary season when its Supreme Court ruled 4-3 to three that former President Trump is disqualified to appear on the state's March 5th primary ballot. The justices cited the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, ruling his actions on January 6, 2021, constituted an attempted insurrection. Courts in Minnesota and Michigan dismissed similar cases last month, but both left the door open to challenge his inclusion again during the general election if he becomes the Republican nominee. I'm sure that would be far less incendiary, guys. The ruling of the Colorado Supreme Court overturns the ruling of a Denver District Court judge who determined Trump could be on the ballot. The justification for her finding was, quote, no person shall be senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or any other state, and that the president and vice president are not among them. 
quote, under traditional rules of statutory construction, when a list includes specific positions but then fails to include others, courts assume the exclusion was intentional. By this reasoning, the judge determined, quote, the court holds there is scant direct evidence regarding whether the presidency is one of the positions subject to disqualification. Here is the specific text of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that this whole case hinges on. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president or vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. Now, the 14th Amendment was not written by the Founding Fathers, but rather in 1868, after the Civil War, by Republican John Bingham. It was a significant piece of writing. Section 1 bestowed citizenship on black people, reversing the 1857 Dred Scott decision, where even those born free could not claim citizenship. Section 2 repealed the three-fifths compromise contained in the original text of the Constitution, where slaves were counted as three-fifths of a white person towards congressional representation. Quote, all men are created equal, right? Section 4 ensured payment of federal debts and prohibited payment of any debts to the defeated Confederate States of America. Section 5 gave Congress the power to enforce the provisions herein. And Section 3 contains the part we are focusing on here. On the one hand, the president does take an oath to support and defend the Constitution, which seems to suggest it's an office to be included. But looking back at the district ruling, again, under traditional rules of statutory construction, when a list includes specific positions but then fails to include others, courts assume the exclusion was intentional. Exactly. There are several very specific offices and positions listed, including electors for president and vice president, but not the offices themselves, as well as both senators and representatives, federal and state. That is a significant omission. That it was purposeful is an easier assumption than they forgot. The Founding Fathers wrote very carefully, doing very well to squeeze all ambiguity out of the original document. For example, the Tenth Amendment states, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited to it by states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. It's pretty cut and dry. There's no reason to assume later amendments were written with any less thought or specificity. The notable failure to mention the President and Vice President by name in the 14th is a tough legal wall to scale, and the first judge is likely on more stable legal ground than the state Supreme Court. I'm no constitutional scholar. And I am reading the post of an actual constitutional legal scholar while I put this script together who disagrees with me. But if I had to put money down on what the United States Supreme Court would say, of course there is already an appeal to that court, I would expect them to reverse the Colorado decision. No matter what transpires going forward, it's already all topsy-turvy, with Democratic pundits lamenting what a stupid move it was to do this, and some of their Republican counterparts actually celebrating it. Trump divides us all, it seems. Trump supporters are fighting back, though, with challenger Vivek Ramaswamy saying he will withdraw from the Colorado primary if Trump is kept off of the ballot and demanding that other candidates do the same. The Colorado Republican Party is making their own moves, saying if the ruling stood, they would shift from a state-run primary to a party-run caucus. 
This would require a rule change from the Republican National Committee. The Colorado Secretary of State is threatening to take the party to court, but former Deputy Secretary of State Suzanne Tahiri cautions the law says political parties, quote, shall use the results of the election to allocate national delegate votes in accordance with the party's rules, and that, quote, the fact is it's a private party and they have a right to nominate the way they want to nominate. If the Supreme Court doesn't reverse this ruling, we will get to see how this plays out. I understand why the Republicans who are mad are mad. I understand why the Republican and Democratic people who are happy are happy. They all think this is going to deny Trump access. The ones that I really think have the right read on this, though, are the Democrats who are screaming not to do this. They get it. Trump pushes a narrative that whenever he wins, it's the will of the people. But whenever he loses, it was stolen from him. This ruling from an all-Democrat appointed court looks exactly, exactly like the thing Trump screams about from his bully pulpit. Is it? I have to say, it looks pretty sus, even for me, someone who 100% does not like Trump. Imagine what it looks like to his legions in the MAGA army. These Democrats wringing their hands, I think, correctly see this as playing right into Trump's hands. Well, I wish we could go into the holiday with some good news, but it's Washington, it's politics, it's all garbage. It's important, though. We have to keep our eyes on these people. They are not working for us. I will continue to work for you, though. I'll keep wading into that swamp and reporting on what I find so you don't have to. I hope your holiday is great and you get to spend it with family and friends. I'll talk to you next week. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave a comment here and on Podchaser. It helps us know how we're doing and what topics you'd like to hear in the future. Have a great day. Thank you.